unrelegated Queens of the South. I'm here with someone new. This doesn't look like Alex Morgan. This looks like Gillian Gaffigan. Hi, Gillian. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. If you are wondering where Alex Kelly Francis Morgan is today, she's actually with the crew at Atlanta Beer Bar celebrating their first anniversary. I decided I don't really like beer that much, and I'd rather be here with Gillian to talk about soccer, our first loves. Gillian, a member of Resurgence, you also have a pretty cool job involving the beautiful game. Can you tell us all a little bit about your special business? Sure. Uh, so I work in fan engagement. I have a consulting business and I work with teams uh, in North America, Europe and Australia on fan engagement issues that can range anywhere from fan surveys to assessments on your engagement and um, leans into data management, CRM, uh, revenue management, et cetera, et cetera. So that's very fun and exciting, so it keeps me close to the game. Um, but I also put together trips maybe five or six times a year to go see uh, teams in Europe typically or big event type, type tournaments like the World Cup or the Olympics. Um, my next trip is to the Women's World Cup oh my in Lyon, so I'm looking forward to that, to the semifinals and the finals. So hit me up if you have an interest. That's all right for some. I think if I wasn't waiting for my green card to arrive, I might have been <laughs> taking you off on that trip to France. Yeah, Talking of working in soccer, a little update from the world of Soccer in the Streets. As you know, Soccer in the Streets is a nonprofit that works to make soccer accessible. We had an amazing event this weekend. We wish you'd been playing with us, but Nations Cup, a huge success. We raised 50K. Huge thanks to all of you that donated. And I have to make a report. If Kelly was here today, she would have told you about 100 times already. Probably read it on Twitter, but Kelly did score a header. I heard. She yeah. scored a header. It was impressive. I won't mention the fact that the Iceland goalkeeper may have been putting his gloves on at the moment that the ball went in, in the goal. It doesn't matter. He might have been sort of adjusting his gloves. There may have been a bit of, you know, uh, pandemonium after Kelly scored, but she scored a header and it was beautiful. Colombia got knocked out in the semifinals. Felipe Cardenas, MVP. Very nice. impressive. That is but good. But the irony, guess who we got knocked out by in the semifinals? Who? The United Kingdom. Ah! Yeah, <laughs> I may have chosen the wrong side to play on, but it is what it is. I didn't realize is. you weren't. Who were you playing for? I was playing with Colombia. It's oh, amazing. Oh, okay. Yep. Uh, loyalties got split. You know, I'd rather have a happy home than a, a trophy in the home. So, you know, it's amazing what love can do for you. It is amazing. And it does sound like it went really well. Last week um, when we were at the podcast, uh, you raised $1,000 there that night. Yeah. And thanks to Rira for that. It was a great event. We're going to look to do something a little bit similar for the Champions League. So be on the lookout for that. I think we're going to have a lot of fun uh, coming up to that. That's June 9th if anyone's interested in playing. So Atlanta United. We got three points. We got three points. How did you feel about this weekend? How did it go for you? Well, uh, it was a frustrating match to watch. I think that that's the response that you hear from a lot of people. It was immediate. It was um, the feeling in the stadium with the fans. You could see it with the players. Um, but three points is three points. And at the end of the day, that's what we needed to do. I think the clean sheet was important. Um, and it was important for forward uh, movement, and we are moving forward. We are tracking back towards the mean on points per game, uh, match by match by match. We really aren't that far away from DC United um, in the middle of the table, so it was a very positive day at the end. It was just hard to watch, frustrating to watch, especially the first half, which was obvious to everybody. Everybody was moving slow on the field. Um, 
and so they needed to pick up the pace and I think they came back in the second half and they did what you needed to do against a team that's defending to an extreme. Mm -hmm. This Parking the bus. Yeah. I think that, that's what we'd call it in Europe. It was definitely a, a parking the bus technique right. and that's what a lot of people do against Atlanta United now. They've kind of sussed this out a little bit and they're learning that you know when the defensive line parks the bus against our sort of forward playing that it's a lot more difficult for us to penetrate. Right. And it's, it wasn't just parking. I mean, it was to an extreme. It was an extreme that I haven't seen at the Benz. Um, have you seen it to that degree before? No, it, it was hideous. You yeah. talk about the it first was... half being so awful, I think. And I mentioned it with Jason yesterday uh, on soccer down here. The highlight of the match in the first half, you know, they show it on the halo board, the, right. the best moment of the game, was Brad Guzan scooping a ball in a great save, everyone called it. But I'm talking about... This was a, a, a slow rolling ball that he scooped. Right. When that is the highlight of the first half, you've Things got to worry so about the sanity of your fans. Right. And I'm all for playing, you know, tactics, playing games. But when you're used to the exciting play of last year, it's, it's pretty tough as a fan to take. And I can understand some of the frustrations because people are going to miss the style of play that we used to play. Right. And I don't think you're going to continue to see that or you're going to see it every time. Um, I think that Atlanta United is, is good at recognizing that teams are going to come into the bends and do that. It was just an extreme. I mean, you had two lines of, of defenders that were just a few yards apart from one another. And uh, at some points I was joking around that it was like watching um, a game of, what's that arcade game, you know, where the ball's just going around pinball. Um, you know, it was just hard I, to get I was around. born in 94, so we didn't really have that many arcade games. Oh, no, I'm aging myself. <laughs> we, we, we had Game Boys by the time I was, I was playing. But, um, okay, you were playing Pokemon. I was not. Uh, but, yeah, so it was, it was difficult. And but at least we had 70% possession, right? Right, yeah. And how, how do you feel about that? Honestly, do you think the possession is a good thing? 70% possession, seven, I think it was 72%, something on those lines. How do you feel about the possession versus penetration in our gameplay at the moment? Well, actually, I mean, if you go back to the Dallas game, we even had, <clears throat> we had slightly greater possession at the Dallas game. So for me, possession, you know, you know and I know that <clears throat> it's not necessarily an indicator of how the game's gonna go. Mm -hmm. So, and it didn't go our way with Dallas. So you can't really count on possession, but for the other team, you have to have possession of the ball to shoot and score. Mm -hmm. So their lack of possession hurt them, absolutely. Um, but all it takes is one chance and one lapse in possession. At the end of the day, when you have 70% possession, you're still giving another 30% for the other team to build and create chances. And when right. they say 1-0 is the most dangerous lead in soccer, because if the other team scores, they then have the momentum to take it another way. Right. So I think what's really important is we can't be relying on winning games 1-0, particularly we talked about the shutout. Yes, we had a shutout, but how much of it was down to our defensive prowess and our defensive skill? And how much was maybe to do with the fact that Colorado was kind of lackluster in the forward play? Well, they were not efficient. So <clears throat> Dallas, you know, in the Dallas game, what you saw with that similar possession numbers was a very, you know, first you saw some inefficiency in our defense. Um, the first goal with a sort of individual mistake by LGP. Um, Who had a better game. Yeah. A much better game yeah. oh, this weekend. And I think that's what he needed. Uh, there was a lot of 
You know, LGP is almost an untouchable player, I would consider, in the Atlanta United fan base. And it was quite a shock for me to see such harsh levels of criticism. If you know Atlanta United Fan TV has a group chat, Tanner was going absolutely ape shit on uh, LGP. I've never read anything like it. I mean, Tanner, I love, like, you're a cool guy, but oh my God. If LGP could read that, I would, I would pick LGP in a fight against Tanner. And if I was LGP, I would probably <laughs> have wanted to fight Tanner after the words he said. So I didn't read it. I think LGP needed a good game because he's one of those players that is a confidence player. He's a very confident player. Sometimes that's some of his downfall. He likes to go on those spiraling runs from center back into the opposition's ends. But this sure. time he didn't make too many mistakes. I thought he read the play better. I think I only remember him being caught out once. So that was a good thing for LGP. But like you say, did he get away with it this week because of Colorado sort of was less effective? So, you know, the first thing that happened with Dallas is our, our defense was ineffective. And so it then allowed for, for Dallas to come in with that smaller amount of possession and to um, convert two chances that we gave them. Exploit an opportunity that we gave them and, and to score. So was it that they were more effective um, or our defense was ineffective? I think the first thing that came was a breakdown on our, our defense. And yeah, they were effective with that opportunity. Um, in terms of the Colorado Rapids, I just don't think that their offense was very effective. Mm -hmm. They didn't have possession of the ball. It's not an indicator of how the game's going to go. Um, but you do have to have possession of that ball to shoot and score when they got possession. Particularly in the final third. They were not doing much with it. And I don't know that it was that, I don't feel that it was that our defense was so great. Mm -hmm. I feel like they were inefficient. Yeah. What came first was their inefficiency when they were handling the they ball. They made it very easy for our defense to look good. Yes. And when we come up against Sporting KC, and we'll get to this later on in the show, they may have been weak at the back conceding a lot of goals, but they've also been scoring a lot of goals. And I think True. the challenge on Saturday is going to be far stronger for our defense. And what I'm hoping is this week, we've got a whole week before the next game, that Frank is doing what you know he's meant to be best at, which is organizing defenders, right? I mean, That's right. he was a, a great defender back in the day, and hopefully we can finally start to see his sort of leadership as a defender and see him rubbing off as a role model. And I think one way we have seen that this season is Miles Robinson. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Miles has been a joy to watch. I think for when you talk to fans, um, his name always comes up. People, they were ex they're excited to see him. They're excited to see him playing. I love him because he played for Syracuse, and I'm from the Syracuse area, so he's already. Um, so you're a bit biased. He, yeah, yeah. He's already got a leg up with me for sure. Um, and I think that he's grown tremendously. He's a joy to watch. I mean, I just love it when he gets in the air and turns his head and, and gets the ball. He tried a bicycle kick. He week. did. Do you remember Miles I Robinson? I do. I do. I mean, if we're talking about confidence, that boy has confidence. He's a, he's a center back trying a bicycle kick. Yeah. I thought he was going to kick the defender's head off. I'm pretty glad he failed because that might have been pretty nasty to watch. But right. it's good to see young players playing with such confidence. And, and exuberance and, it, and, it, it, and getting the job done. And what a draft we had that yeah. year. What a draft. I know uh, Gressel is one of your favorites, too. Gressel is one of my favorites. Absolutely. Yeah, well. He's German. I'm German. He plays under 24. I played you under 24. You look like Gressel. Just how Kelly looks like Alex Morgan. You are Julian Jillian Gressel. Yeah, yeah, Julian Jillian. Yeah, so, so again, you know, maybe not for the right reasons, but he is my favorite player on the team. Um, 
And I love to watch him, and I'm so glad he got that goal. So how do you feel about Loverboy getting into it with P.T. Martinez this weekend? I believe there might have been a little bit of a yeah. verbal altercation between the two of them. What were your there feelings was. about that? It didn't worry me. It wasn't a problem. I mean, this happens. It's, um, I don't think it's anything to get excited about. I think about. people that play the game understand that happens and right. that's no not trying to stand on my pedestal or anything like that but having played soccer since I was four years old and I know you grew up playing too you can have a best mate on your team and still scream at them absolutely I mean I play with Sebastian my husband and I will he you know we 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 will yell at each other on a soccer field and it's okay because what happens on the field sort of you leave it on the field so the field. people are looking into it a little bit too much I think at times thinking that there might be problems in the dressing room as long as it's happening on the field we, we've seen far bigger far bigger issues in the dressing room yeah. <coughs> Barco <coughs> Barco you know and I think this is something that's minor to worry about it is minor. what about his reaction coming off the field though I think personally that might have concerned me a little bit more I don't know if you've watched the video that I did. Jay Riddle posted of uh, him kicking Breck Shea pretty hard in the back of the chair. My bigger concern was the, not that I had, this isn't a big concern, uh, but he didn't shake Tito's hand coming off. Or Frank's. Or Frank's. He ignored him, but walked straight to the bench. your teammate um, is coming on, it's a courtesy, it's showing your brotherhood in this match, and um, so that was a little bit mildly irritating to me. The rest of the behavior, I think that a lot of people have talked about this, and, and I've felt it before. I'm more of an internalizer, so mm -hmm. I don't, you know, you were never going to see me on the field throwing a tantrum or off You, the you field. will see me on the field, whether it be the soccer field, the soccer tennis field. I will throw tantrums. I'm more of a PT style player. You yeah. can catch me at the goal throwing tantrums every tailgate. And I think that's the point. Uh, different athletes have a different orientation towards that. There's a lot of variables in your personality, mm -hmm. your culture, how you grew up. Um, for me, I would played a lot of sports before I played soccer. Mm -hmm. Some of those were individual sports um, that are very silent, like marksmanship. So, what is that? Um, is that guns? Yes. Freaking Americans, so, man. <laughs> it's a sport. So, um, but you know, I, I played tennis, I swam, I went downhill skiing, I crossed, you know, cross country skiing. I've played a lot, a lot of sports. And so I think for me, a lot of that, by the time I kind of settled into soccer in middle school and this was going to be my sport, I, it's just the type of player I was. I didn't mm -hmm. throw my, my frustrations mm -hmm. around me. I kind of internalized that and just would always think forward. What mm -hmm. do I need to do next? What do I need to and do next? Obviously, I think looking at that's an ideal way to be. We can't all be like that. And no, absolutely I think we not. have to look at PT and see it as a positive thing to an extent that he's holding himself accountable. And yeah. honestly, he's just pissed off that he's not living up to. Yeah. You know, he's got a huge weight on his shoulders. South American Player of the Year. People are expecting you to come in and be incredible. He's got a big price tag on him. He's kind of in a position that Barco was in last year. And he kicked huge the right guy's chair. I mean, Brexit was like not even going to well, care. Brexit is like, in the clouds. 20, I don't know. Have, I, have you like, ever seen a picture of Brexit looking into the camera when they do that match picture? I, this has become He funny. literally looks like this. He's always looking the wrong Every time he's in the stars. Like, yeah. I don't know what he's on before games, but I mean... He, yeah, the photographer is. needs to be like, it's like when you've got a baby, you know, when you're holding a baby in a family picture and you're like, Breck, Breck right. over here, Breck, right. Breck, like, 
And now I wonder if he's doing it on purpose. It's sort of, I mean, maybe he's messing with us. Yeah, he's like, (laughs) I want these guys to think I don't know what I'm doing. And I want them to think, so then they expect me to play bad. So then if I play well, I've done better than they're expecting. Everybody's very pleased. It's it's, a double reverse psychology. Yeah. Breck Shea is the smartest player in the universe, (laughs) I'm telling you. Possibly, I don't know. But I think on this picture thing, he might be uh, yanking her chain a little bit. It's kind of funny. Um, I think it happened once or twice, and maybe it was an accident. And it, it would be funny if he's doing it on purpose now. You've killed, you've killed the joke now. <laughs> You're ahead of the game, Jillian. Come on, stop being so quick. Speaking of quick. So, Tito. I don't think it was a problem with the tantrum no. coming off the field. I really don't. I didn't like the fact that he didn't shake Tito's hand. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's a minor thing. It was a blip. It's not something I really, other than people just keep talking about it, I wouldn't keep talking about it. He had a better it. game, though. Didn't he? I think he played a lot better. I think he was frustrated because he'd put in a couple of really good balls right before he was substituted off. I think he put one on a plate for Joseph almost when Joseph slid in. I think last season he would have put that in the net every single time. So I saw a lot more positivity from PT in the game towards the sort of mid-mark when he was taken off. And it was important for him to start and spend those minutes in the game. I mean, I think Frank had said this, and it's true. You know it's true as a player. you know, training is great, but there's there's no just no substitute of minutes in the game mm-hmm. and and gaining that experience. And that's why it's called match fitness. Right. You get match fitness only in matches. Right. Speaking, but like we said, Tito. Tito came Tito. on. What an explosion. That was good, right? That was good, right? Yeah, it was. It was. You can feel his energy when he comes on the field. It's it's hard because I know a lot of fans want to see him start all the time and, and they're very loyal to Tito and of course they like his hair, they like they, his thighs, right? they like his eyes. I, I mean he has his own dedicated fan pages everywhere. It's, There's it's, the Tito hair watch, I think the new Tito thigh watch, <laughs> maybe the Tito Frenchie watch, I know he's got a dog. Like, a lot. Tito is Literally, if He's I could a fan get, favorite. look, I, I've got some good raffle prizes for soccer in the streets, but if I could get a pair of Tito shorts, I think I would raise enough money to open like six stations of oh, yeah, like he, soccer in the streets. He would do it. He would I, do it. I really, he would do it for you. I think. I think I that. might have to write it. Well, next time uh, Terminus has those letters, I'm gonna be like, dear Tito, could you please get me a pair of your shorts to raffle off for a kids' charity? Thanks. If he can get your message, he will do it. And I'm sure there's somebody out there that can get that get message. Get me some too. shorts yeah. for Tito Di Alba. I will raffle them off and I will buy a station for kids that need access to soccer. And she said this publicly, so you know she's not going to keep them for herself. I don't think Sebastian would be too happy if I had another man's shorts, like under my pillow. That, that might be a little bit of an issue for my marriage, honestly, Jillian. Well, just don't let anybody know when you have them because your house might get broken into. There are people driving down to Noonan, yeah. Georgia just to steal my Tito Vialba You're going to have all sorts of new friends that are kind of surrounding you. Yeah. Swarming. It's the truth. <laughs> Men, women, it doesn't matter. I mean, I there's a lot of man crushes out there for oh, I think Jay might have one, honestly. A, a poquito yeah. was his wording. But he had a great performance. It was yeah. good. And he, he played the super sub role he did. perfectly. He did. And he, um, so, anyways, you know, I think fans would like to see him starting. They like it when he starts. But he really has this great role when he comes on like that, and it affects the game. It because he's so quick. He's playing against tired defenders, and it's tactical. Yes. When you're, you have someone that's fast anyway from the start, 
You right. then put them against defenders that have already played 60 minutes. Yeah. Imagine being exhausted, looking at the bench and knowing Tita Viaba is coming on to run at you for the next 30 minutes. Right. If I'm a defender, I'm like, what the? Oh. Here we yeah. go again. Oh. <laughs> like, yeah. It's a different style of play, and I think it works. I do too. I think he needs to get more minutes sometimes, but fans just have to learn that players have their roles to play. And, and he, this is he, a good role for him. And he contributed to the goal. Right. So, I mean, I'm happy for him. It's good to see. I think there's a lot of people asking for him to start against uh, KC because of the way they play and how high pressure might work on well, causing I, them errors. I think that's what it comes down to. I mean, Frank has to look at... You know, who are we playing? What is their style? Are we home? Are we away? You know, how are people going to play against us in particular? And, and But it's interesting that we're doing that more this season. Yeah. We're looking at the opposition and altering based on them. I think last season, potentially, we played more our own game, no matter who we were playing against. It's true. This season, we're having to look a little bit more at the opposition. We're having to adjust, adjust. and adapt because we don't have quite that invincibility that we had last year that if we played our own way it was going to be successful no matter how we faced. Right. So I think that's and really interesting. it wasn't every single no. time. I mean, you know, we had the better players most of the time. I'll just make up a number. I, I do this all the time. So, uh, you know, I always say if you've, if you've got the better players, you're going to win 90% of the time. That's totally made up. But, you know, you get the, the picture. I mean, we had the better players against most of our, op our opponents, and it doesn't mean a lesser team can't beat you. They will. Sometimes, um, you know, the thing about soccer is that the stronger team is only str slightly stronger. And so that's why anything can happen. Um, so I, I think we are in a situation where, where Frank is, is leading these adjustments. Um, depending on who we're playing, uh, the players have to adjust themselves on the field to the play when they get on there um, and work together to, to get that done. Um, we've got great players, but uh, you know we don't have Lionel Messi, or you know that's always going to be performing like crazy, no matter what the scenario is. Um, you know we do have players that I think you could see it in the game on on Saturday, where it was really frustrating, and you know they came in after the halftime and they'd adjusted. They they probably got very good information from a, a higher level about what what the technical staff was seeing on the field and Frank, and you know did what they needed to do. They needed to speed it up. Um, you know, the, there's only a few ways to deal with with that level of defense and that deep of defense, um, and you're going to have to beat people one on one. And that's exactly what Nagby did, and that's what led to that goal. He he did one of the, the t few tactics you can use in that situation, and you saw Barco drawing people off the ball to this side of the field to get the ball to the other side of the field quickly. That's the other tactic that you can use. And so... You it know, instills faith in your technical team when you see those adjustments being made. And yeah. So I think they played as good of a game on Saturday as our players, you know, they, they adapted oh, and it, yeah. it went well, so that's nice They that's had a nice huge impact see. on the game, the, the technical staff, and you know this, um, you know, sometimes I believe more so than the coach in some instances, um, the technical staff can really affect the performance of the players uh, in match and in training. Uh, they're seeing, you know, they're, they're hyper-focused on certain things or they're seeing the big picture of things in a way that the player can't see it on the field. They obviously came out and made adjustments in the second half and and again it was still a little frustrating, but it was frustrating because there were so many people in front of the goal 
and it was hard to deal with. But um, that run with Nagby was beautiful and perfect, and it resulted in a goal. And a fantastic and effort. And he did exactly what he needed to do. Mm -hmm. and, and Julian Gressel was there for it, and he put the ball in. Gillian and that's Gressel. all that mattered. Gillian Gressel was there to put the ball in the back of the net. Well, if you're in Germany, you would say Julian Gressel. So. No, I said Jillian. Jillian Gressel. Come on, Jillian. Jillian Gaffigan. I need my English, my English microphone. She didn't get my joke. Come on, you've got to hold I'm your sorry. English microphone. Jillian Gressel. So one more thing I wanted to touch on about the MLS. Kelly and I talked about it for a while uh, last Queens of the South episode, and that is Kaku. Kaku for his yeah. uh, crowd-kicking ball incident. Yeah only received two extra games, so a three-game ban in total. How did you feel about that? I think it's low. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a little unprecedented. I don't think that I recall, I don't recall such a kind of grave instance against a fan. I mean, Neymar, punched a fan. Did you see that this weekend? Yeah, but not in MLS. It was, it was, no, yeah, no, yeah. no. But I, I don't remember an instance in MLS where there was like a, a situation that was like actually. that where especially on, you know, there was no inciting mm -hmm. by this fan, which mm -hmm. can happen. We both know this. Mm -hmm. um, when tensions are high. And I might have been an inciter a few times. <laughs> oh, really? No. What are you talking about? Who, who talks trash to soccer Tell, players? tell, tell stories. <laughs> um, so, you know, I mean, there have been situations, you know it and I know it, where uh, fans have incited a player in a terrible way. And this just wasn't the case. I mean, this was just a guy minding his own business in the, in the stands, and there wasn't anything like that going on. It was purely his temper oh, tantrum. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and it doesn't matter. There isn't an argument about whether he meant it or he didn't. No, it, it it, you took of, a risk. You went to smash a ball, right. full pelt, at an uh, advertising hoarding, right. you either have terrible aim or you're lying, and either way, it's not okay. You, you took the risk. Yeah, you know, so you I took mean, the risk. You shot a ball, maybe you missed. You smash yeah. a fan in the face, yeah. take responsibility. There was a lot that went out, you know, did he mean it, didn't he mean it? It doesn't matter. I mean, we all know it's on camera. He's, he's sort of guilty of the crime. Um, so that needs to be pushed aside, and it was. And so now we were all just waiting to see what the punishment would be, what, what would happen with the suspensions. And uh, I think it's a little unprecedented, so maybe MLS was a little afraid to go too harsh. I don't know why. I think in the U.S., normally, we, we put the smackdown on, on yeah, I, unproductive I was behaviors, mm -hmm. whether it's from a fan or whether it's from a player or whether, the it's officials. From a, or whether it's a coach. Um, you know, we usually levy out, we want to snuff behaviors out mm -hmm. like that. You kind of hold people do. accountable and yeah, set like Yeah, we do like not a... sweep things under the rug mm -hmm. in the U.S. Uh, like you see in some other countries with some of the behaviors that go on. Um, so I was, I was surprised. I don't think it's strong enough to send that message. And what I worry about is the slippery slope, whether it's with Kaku himself, because you as an individual can say, I got away with this. What am I going to get away with the next time? You're not really getting too harsh of a penalty for the behavior that you exhibited um, so does it get worse and worse I mean some players it does we've seen this um, or does it kind of feed to other players well Kaku really didn't get in much trouble so you know my it's, biggest it's concern. okay for me to continue to have these tantrums that could result in so in general do I I don't like to see tantrums in general anyway I don't Jillian should never watch me play soccer tennis. <laughs> we won't be friends anymore after that. But, well, this is the thing. I mean, for some people, it, it gets them fired up. And for some people, they don't prefer to see it. I don't prefer to see it, but I don't think it's a problem. Um, if you want to do it, that's fine. 
Um, I gotta see your next soccer tennis match and, and heckle you a little bit. But anyways, um, you know, I, I just think that it's a behavior that can go, it can, things can start going the wrong. And I have seen it in all other cultures. Mm -hmm. I have seen it in the sport in other countries where behaviors are kind of swept under the rug mm -hmm. and they continue I mean, look to at racism. Look at the way racism isn't punished and then people think they can get away with it. It That's gets right. worse. The, the monkey chants, the banana skins, it's appalling. Right. But when people get, you know, when they just get a ban from a stadium, and is that not even getting that. No, I mean, we've got the technology to find that person. So, I mean, if you go to a game in Italy, they've got your name, your passport, your birth date, your ID. You know, you, you have to provide that information to obtain a ticket. So they can identify who you are um, and ban you for life. But they just choose but not to. They choose not to. Sometimes they, it has occurred, but I, I think the past couple of instances, there really hasn't been a lot of repercussion there or diving into it. You have... Um, you have that feeling as an American watching that happen that it gets a little swept under the rug. Mm -hmm. And I have conversations with people in Italy and Germany and in other countries and you know, I'll say, Well what did you think about this? And they'll say, Oh, I've seen worse. Yeah. That's sort of the I've seen worse. And so and they, it's terrifying. It's terrifying that we're in two thousand nineteen and it's just accepted. It's part of the game, it's part of the like but if you look at social media, it's getting a little more from just the general population. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what it's going to take. It's sort of that general population of fan, not that hardcore fan that sweeps it mm -hmm. uh, in the team or the league. But also the players that are standing up to it. I mean, yes. Raheem Sterling it's did an excellent important. job yeah. and calling that out and kind of putting his neck on the line a little bit, standing up, sure. talking up against, you know, FIFA saying it's in unacceptable. Right. I think he's been brave and he's kind of risking being scapegoated by the organizations, but for him, it's about a bigger thing. It's yeah. about protecting the kids that look up to him. It's about protecting kids that were him, you know, that he was rather sure. 10 years ago, so. And I think for all of us, you know, a statement that I make all the time is you have to put humanity before the game. And, and so um, with Kaku, you know, coming back to him, uh, you know, who cares? He, he, he hasn't seemed real genuine in his apologies. I think that's a problem. Um, he's young. He's. I, I think people can make mistakes. Uh, yeah, but he's just a dislikable character. He's yeah. just a snob. I mean, right. his agent didn't get his coffee. His agent didn't get his Uber. Like. So if he had actually come back and said, oh my gosh, I've made this horrible mistake yeah. and da 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 Is this guy okay? Like this guy yeah. has literally like, I've read stuff right. that potentially had a concussion. Like right. he's actually seriously hurt and it is just a bit selfish, but. So that's his own brand that he's mm -hmm. hurting and that's his problem. Um, I, I think that the, the rest of it is all of our problem. And I wish that there had been a little steeper penalty. I know that there is a players association that probably is kind of negotiating and coming back if they said we want 10 games they're like we want one game whatever however it ended up at two is amazing to me i still would have thought that um there would be a, a little bit of back and forth and we don't know what what happened there but um two games it's two games and it seems in a, insufficient i think particularly for, a lot for the of guy us. i think most yeah. importantly for the guy that got hurt if i if i've been i just hope he sues the shit out of him but um, I think you will. <laughs> I mean, Americans love to sue. Like I said, we're a very last litigious week. Uh, uh, society in the U.S. So yeah, I think I think there probably is going to be some sort of yeah, 
Financial settlement. settlement. Yeah. Yes, indeed. <laughs> but on to something a bit more positive. Okay. I see you all the time on Twitter talking about Atlanta United 2. Yeah. I love how much you care about it. And I'll be honest, I'm a bit of a novice to Atlanta United 2. I haven't been to any games yet. As everyone knows, I'm based super, super down south. And sure. now it's in Kennesaw, it's even more of a trek. But I think basically what I want to hear is what engages you so much about Atlanta United 2 and why do you think it's so important to be there? Well, it's a different season for all of us as fans with the, with AU2. I mean, I didn't go to a single game last year. Um, I wasn't going to. I know the stadium that it was at. That didn't really interest me. The team wasn't performing that well. It didn't really interest me. Uh, I think the first two things that happened that gained my attention was, number one, the announcement of the new head coach, which is not new to us as an organization, Stephen Glass, who was the head coach of the Atlanta United Academy, became the head coach of AU2. So that was a big move. For those of you that don't know him, look him up. He played for Newcastle United. He, I think he might have played for the um, the Rails in the, the NASL. Um, he's had several coaching jobs um, before coming to Atlanta United Academy. So that got me a little bit excited. And so the second big news was that the team was moving and would start playing out of KSU 5th uh, and 3rd Bank Stadium at Kennesaw State University, uh, 10 minutes from my house. It's Sorry a, for some. <laughs> like, I think there were a lot of other people that were kind of like, what the hell, that's so far away. But I'm going to make an argument that uh, that my far away when it was at Coolray was justified. <laughs> I mean, no one wants to go to Gwinnett. <laughs> like, and that your far away now to come to KSU might be worth your time, just for one or two games. So, um, you know, the thing about this stadium is it was built to be soccer specific. Mm -hmm. it, I've actually played in it. We, yes. we used to yeah. play against Kennesaw State. It's a really, yeah. it's a really nice stadium, a great pitch. And I've never seen a football game there for the, the university, but I've watched a lot of soccer there through the years. I've watched lacrosse there. Um, there's always a variety of tournaments, women's college events that go on. Um, so I've been up there several times, even before the match for CCL with mm -hmm. Aridiano, which was a thrill. Oh my God, um, that was a fun night. It was a thrill to see that stadium just jam-packed. It was crazy, it was fun, and of course a great outcome. But uh, it's a good little stadium and I really like it. It's soccer specific, it's got the, it reintroduces terraces to fans. I love how newer stadiums are doing this, and it's not that new. But the terraces are part of what makes that atmosphere very nice, very intimate. Um, it gives you a great view. Um, so I knew I knew these things about the stadium, so I got excited about that. Mm -hmm. And I'm excited about Stephen Glass. And I'm excited because now I'm thinking, I know Atlanta United is a powerhouse when it comes to fan engagement. They were not doing the things in terms of fan engagement for AU2 last year. Yeah, whoever they've signed on the media department. <laughs> well, I mean, I think it still falls under the greater umbrella of Atlanta United, and so there's employees that work on both, if I'm correct. Um, but the, I could see that there were people being hired mm -hmm. specifically for Atlanta United to, to do some sort of grassroots community um, involvement, you know, try to get those youth groups, those companies that are in the Cobb County, Cherokee, Paulding area um, to organize outings to go, whether it's, uh, you know, so all sorts of groups, churches mm -hmm. and, and Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts and any type of organized group. So I knew that they were making that effort and I thought that's going to be really 
cool. It's going to be nice. Yeah, it's going to be really nice. So the next thing that happened was, um, you know I don't drink at games and I drink very rarely, but um, occasionally I drink some wine. And so... Uh, Are you Alex Morgan in disguise? <laughs> and so, I don't know if this has ever happened to anybody else. You know, I've done things like drunk donated to TIFO for the team. A um, hundred bucks just gone. Uh, to I a wish great, I had a hundred bucks uh, in my account to, to randomly <laughs> donate. <laughs> to a great cause. Um, and so, I had had lunch with a friend one day, and, and she had said that she was had an email into the team to try to find out about season tickets for AU2, and I was like, wow, I didn't think about that, right? So I went home, and I'd had a few glasses of wine, and uh, I Googled it. I thought, I bet the information's out there. So I Google it, I find it, and then I'm like, well, how much are they? So I, I go a little further, and I see how much they are. I'm like, well, that's a bargain. Now, I wonder where those tickets would be. So I go to the next step, right? And before I knew it, I'd hit the pay now uh, for two tickets in the front row. And I have season tickets now. So now I'm fully invested. Right? Now you have to go. Right. Um, I did miss the first two games because I was in Italy, just like the Atlanta United games. I gave those tickets away. That was another component of it. I don't care. The tickets are cheap. I'd rather engage another fan by just giving those tickets to them mm -hmm. to let them go. Um, so, you know, it, it, it was a good all-around package. So when I got back from Italy and I got to go to my first game, you know, I wrote up a big sort of little post about it, um, about why people should go. And, and you can tailgate, you know, you go there, you tailgate, it's a beautiful day, the parking lots are very close, your, your access into the stadium, out of the stadium is very quick, it's very fast. Um, there's low, low attendance. I don't care where you buy a ticket. You're, you can sit wherever you want, and nobody's going to give you a problem about this right now. I mean, the the attendance has been tracking around 2,000, anywhere between two and 2,500. Um, so nobody hassles you on this. Uh, you know, I go in as a season ticket holder, and people address me by name. They remember who I am, um, which is a nice touch. Mm -hmm. I mean, so it's not just the uh, it, it is the Atlanta United, what they've done in terms of fan engagement. It's also the people that are working at 5th and 3rd, have very good training. If they see you kind of trying to take a selfie with a group of people, uh, the staff will walk up and say, let me take that picture for you. I mean, it's just, there's little touches like that that are, are very fun, very nice. Um, you know, it's a great social environment. It's not overly crowded. It's a great place to meet your friends. And, and so unlike the Atlanta United games where I'm very intent on the, the match, uh, at these... You get a chance to relax. I do, I do relax. And I actually do have a glass of wine when I'm there, which I never do at other games. Um, it's more of a social environment for me. I really enjoy the kids running around. You don't really have to watch the kids too hard. You know, they just sort of run through the terraces and, and do the things they want to do. Um, so I think it's a very enjoyable uh, atmosphere for the kids mm -hmm. and parents. And it, I think what we were talking just, about... It's not just family-oriented. I mean, there's big groups of employees that come. Last week, uh, Aaron, Aaron Rent's uh, organization had bought, and I met the guy that did it, bought 250 tickets uh, wow. for their employees and they were there they had noisemakers they had t their same t-shirt on so so of course it turns out to be a great team building event for mm -hmm. them but it was fun for me to hear their cheering and look behind me and see them all dressed in the same mm -hmm. shirt and um, I think it's it's good for the company because we all see them up there it's marketing 
Right, so they're getting a benefit too um, because that looks like a fun company to work for now. And they're getting some brand awareness about their company and so forth. So, But they had a really good time. It really put my, a smile on my face to meet some of those employees, um, to see them there enjoying themselves. So those are the kinds of things that you can do. And um, you know, I, the supporter groups do, still show up. They show up with their drums. It's not as loud as what you're used to. It might be just a little smattering, ragtag group of people. But I often go down to the supporter section and sit there and cheer <laughs> with people. I kind of move around throughout the stadium. Um, the players interact with with the fans a lot. Mm -hmm. um, they're always available to take uh, photos and to get autographs after the game. They're very generous about this. Um, Andrew Carlton at a game I was at recently gave a, I think it was a seven-year-old, a shirt after the match because it was his birthday. So, I mean, I think you have a really good opportunity to, to interact with fans, uh, the fans with the players. Mm -hmm. Uh, last week when I was there, last Wednesday, Frank DeBurr was there. I got a picture with him. I saw that one. Uh -huh. it, well, the, you saw the second one. Ah. So the first one didn't turn out very good. <laughs> and so I, because the, the gentleman I had take the picture, he only took one. You know, you're oh, that's to, the that, worst. When, you know, I, when you know, those people the, stand there for 20 minutes and they look like they're taking 17 pictures, you look back and it's one and you've got your eyes closed. I mean, come on, man. What were you doing for 10 minutes? Like, okay. you're lying to me. Just press and hold down the bloody button and take 30 pictures. Right. That's what Just a go. real stand-in photographer does. And that's what I do. So if anyone right. ever wants a picture taken, you're the girl. I'm okay, the girl. well, I'll remember that. So I have another friend that said, well, I'll go take another picture of you and Frank. And so I was a little nervous, like, oh, I don't want to go back and ask him You don't want to be that girl, like, hey, yeah. I look ugly in that first picture. Yeah, so I had an idea. So I, I went down there and said, Frank, um, do you think I could take another picture with you? Your eyes were closed. <laughs> so you lied. I did. Frank, if you ever watch this podcast, Jillian lied to you. You look great in that picture. He did. He looked great. And his reaction was this. My eyes were closed. My eyes were closed. That's, that's Dutch people. They're, that's very, they're very uptight. <laughs> and so I was like, no, 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 no. My eyes were closed. It wasn't yours. So he leans and takes the picture. It was great. He was very, very generous and gracious to do that and I thanked him and um, you know I also think that this was a good move on fan engagement for mm -hmm. Atlanta United they had him parked on the corner easily accessible to mm -hmm. fans Darren Eels kind of stayed on the inside of the sliding glass door and I think it gave uh, Frank an opportunity to be approached it, it gave the fans an opportunity Seemed more approachable and he he was very approachable mm -hmm. he's very friendly um, he didn't get my joke about his eyes being closed, but that's okay. And you needed your English microphone. Come on, that's how everyone understands the jokes. So, but you know, he, he gave everybody a photo that wanted to and talked to anybody that wanted yep. to talk to him. That's so awesome. I thought it was a good move. And that's the other thing is that some of the AU players do show up there. Um, you don't know when they're going to come. Um, you might be surprised. So if you want to meet Tito, yeah. you never know. He Maybe might be he'll up be there. at the next day. I mean, game. George Bello was walking around. People got pictures with him. I mean, you know, you have these players that move between. You have them, right, that move between the two teams, um, between the MLS team and, and the reserve team. And then, um, in general, you're going to have some times mm -hmm. where the players or other VIPs are asked to go up to the AU2 game. It is a 
they want to. I'm sure Frank wants to see those matches yep. in person when he can. And that's what I wanted to touch on. I wanted to touch on the purpose in terms of soccer of Atlanta United too. So as far as I'm concerned, it's very similar to a reserve team mm -hmm. in England, where it's kind of a place where these players that may be second string are getting match fitness minutes, as we talked about with PT, getting game time, getting to get on the pitch and try things out, realizing, you know, getting up to speed with things and giving the coach a chance to watch players in a real game situation because you can't pick players right. based on their performance in practice all the time. You need to see them in the real game. And I wonder whether that's where, for instance, Dion Pereira, who was playing extremely well in AU2, Dion actually went to my rival high school in England. I think Did he? A, yeah, I, I need to get hold of him somehow because yeah. he went to Queens and I went to Palmerton and we were both I didn't know we that. were both Watford Academy schools and we didn't like each other very much. So yeah, he's from ten minutes from around me. But cool. he's been performing really well with yeah. AU too and then he got to play in a, a, a big boys game, so yeah. to say and I like to see that comparison to Europe how they're using it as either a platform for young players to get minutes, but also for injured players to get back up to speed. Right. Would that be a, a fair assessment for you, it, a good comparison to an extent? In some cases, yeah. I mean, it is a professional league. It falls under the MLS hierarchy. Um, it's actually called USL Championship League. Um, and there's 18, there's two, two uh, conferences. There's an Eastern and a Western conference, 18 teams each. Um, so it's big, you know, it's fairly big, and some of these teams are tied into an MLS team directly and some are not. So to what you're saying, in some cases, yes, um, but some of these teams like the Tampa Bay Rowdies, mm -hmm. they're standalone. Yeah, they're standalone. So, um, but that is, that's why we have We're it. We're using it for yeah, that purpose. Yeah, right, that's why we have it. Uh, other teams that have that is, there's a Galaxy uh, team, there's, um, I know there's a Red Bulls team. I don't know all the teams. Um, one of the ways that I'm getting more engaged with it is I'm kind of taking it match by match. Mm -hmm. So when we play Ottawa, then I go out and I learn more about the Ottawa team. That's cool. And, and that's sort of so the my So you're approach. going to be the USL Championship knowledge lady coming no, up? No, I mean, I want to educate myself a little bit more, but I absorb so much soccer mm -hmm. information on a weekly mm -hmm. basis. There's no way I'm going to learn everything about this league, and that's just how I've chosen to kind of approach this year that I've decided to have season tickets and mm -hmm. make the most of it, um, is to kind of go match by match and mm -hmm. say, you know, oh, we're playing Tampa Bay, so let me learn more about Tampa Bay, their players, what's going on there, um, and, and then it was Ottawa, which was an away game for us this uh, this past weekend. Um, next week we play Nashville. That's a cool one. Soon be a MLS. MLS team. So there, that's a home game on Saturday. So that'll be interesting. So yeah. one last question from you from watching the games. If you had to pick two or three players from AU2 that you think could potentially, you know, progress into the first team this season, who stands out for you? Well, I mean, we have some that already have that are floating kind of. Mm -hmm. I don't I don't know enough yet to pick a new one that's, mm -hmm. that's, you know, I don't know exactly who's contracted both directions. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you have George Bellow. You have your friend from England. <laughs> DP. <coughs> I think the coach calls him DP. Um, uh, Andrew Carlton, George Bellow. Who else do we have? Yeah, so it's it's... Those players are now have a little bit in the past and, and I think have even more so this season 
had that opportunity to kind of float a little bit more back and forth between the MLS team and AU2, and it's interesting. I think it probably makes our team hard to scout because... You never know who's going to play. Right. You don't know who's floating back and forth, and I think that that's a challenge for the other USL teams that we come up against. Um, what I've seen so far in terms of play, and I do get just as intense when that whistle blows about the, even though I find it a more social environment, and I kind of let myself go a little bit when that whistle blows, I'm really intent on the game again. And, uh, you know, I, I think that this is a team that likes to play beautiful football. They want possession of the ball. They have very dangerous movement of the field. Uh, and, and I've also seen some breakdowns, I mean, against more experienced teams. So, but I've liked what I've seen. I found the games fun, and I'm not encouraging everybody to be a, a season ticket holder like myself, but I am encouraging people to use, if you're a season ticket holder and you got that six game free passes, the, the passes yep. you know, use them and let me know that you're coming and, and we'll have fun. Um, and if you are looking for a more economical way to kind of get into the game or bring your children to a game, this is it. And it's very, it's a good, friendly environment to do that in. Uh, safe space. It's a safe, cheap space to try the game. If you don't want to spend, you know, yeah. 30, 40 bucks on a ticket for your four-year-old, it's a nice place to, to yeah. try their attention, see well, if they can watch it through a real and, game. And even older kids that are involved in the game, you know, it's, it's always good to show them professional athletes. Mm -hmm in person, in stadium. Role models, real role models that they can yeah. meet as well. And just because this is a second tier division under MLS doesn't mean you're not going to see good soccer. You're going to see good soccer. And you know, it's it's sometimes it's every bit as elegant. A lot of these second tier leagues are more competitive than the first tier mm -hmm. leagues. Uh, I think in the Western Conference last year of USL, there was only 15 points that separated the top of the table from the middle after yep. 34 games. That's impressive. That's pretty tight. It was bigger on the East, and the, I, I don't think the Eastern Conference is as competitive yep. and, and tight, but the Western Conference looks like it's trending that direction again this year. Um, so I, you're going to see good soccer. It's, so, it's worth it. I think you pretty much convinced me yeah. to go watch a game, so let's, let's all plan a day. Let's plan a day where let's everyone do gets down and goes to sports of twos because at the end of the day these may well be the future players in Atlanta United you know some of them will be so talking about Atlanta United coming up for Atlanta United is Sporting KC this Sunday 9 p.m. Yeah. a late one not a fan of those yeah just a bit of a rundown on KC <laughs> they're, they, they're conceding a lot of goals in the last couple of games they tied 4-4 with the 10 men of New England Revolution this weekend and before that it was a 4-1 loss to San Jose so what would you expect from Atlanta United in this game? If you look at those results, what would you want from Atlanta United? Well, I mean, they seem a little disorganized. So they're conceding a lot of goals. And so I think that this is a time to test PD. And uh, I think we're going to see something. Is he going to score a goal this weekend? I think so. Yeah, I really do. I think this is a good opportunity for him. And we've been saying that week by week. And so fingers crossed. But... I think this might be a very good opportunity for them. They, they do. That was a crazy game on Saturday that they just played. Mm -hmm. I mean, it really. I think the equalizer is in the 89th minute. It was it was end to end stuff. Lots of goals and. I mean, you. I came in after coming home. I watched the last like five minutes of the Red Bulls game. Uh -huh. Saw the score. Moved on. Saw Kansas City was playing. So I turned that on since I knew we were going to play. 
play them, and I think I was at about the 30th minute, and within 10 minutes, uh, I came in, the score was one to zero. They already had a man down on a red card. Um, and I think 10 minutes later, the score was three to one, and I started tweeting like crazy, is anybody watching this game? Because um, I knew probably a lot of people were out after the Atlanta United game. And it was just nuts. Every couple of minutes there was a major event, whether it was a yellow card or a goal or a penalty kick or another red card. Um, it was just, it was bonkers the whole time. So it was fun for me after watching the Atlanta United game, number one. It was fun for me to see Kansas City in a little bit of disarray because they are a team that worries me. They. I think they are a good team, but they're not doing so well right I now. I think they're going to be more of an offensive threat to us. I think yeah. our defense is going to have to have a better performance. They're conceding a lot of goals. They're, they're scoring a decent amount of goals. Right. So I think it'll be an interesting game, but I really do hope we can get on the score sheet and start showing a little bit more of our clinic, like our clinical finishing, because I think that's been our biggest issue this season has been we're creating some chances, but our finishing isn't good enough you know right. we're, we're creating 1v1s we're missing them we need to put the ball in the back of the net consistently in this game well in Kansas City I don't think is going to play like what we saw last week I don't think we're going to have that hurdle of uh, you know parking the two buses mm -hmm. at, at, in front of the goal so I think that uh, we're going to see our players be able to move throughout the field pass and create chances in a way more that is in alignment with what we're used to seeing. And that's what I'm looking forward to. Um, so yeah, and I think it's hard to come back off of a week like they just had and one week of training. And they'll be missing. To, to regain all that. To, so, yeah. So what's your score prediction? Well, I... I'm I have, putting you on the spot. I have on. the ones that where I'd like it to be. Okay, give me, your, give me your realistic score prediction and then your hopeful score prediction. I think it's gonna be two to one. What would you like it to be? 2-0. I think we're going to concede. Sorry. But well, I, do, I, I just don't think, I don't think we're stable enough at the back. I think we, aren't. we will probably create an error. We're, we're our own worst enemies at the back. And a lot of the goals we're conceding aren't through, you know, miraculous forward play. It's through defensive lapses and errors on our right. part. So I might, I think I'll go with a 3-2. You're going 3 I'm two. going 3 2 us. Based on. Just based on last, like, yes. you know, their previous results. They're scoring a lot. We're conceding a lot. But I think we might find our rhythm up top. And I think we're really going to push to get that back to back win that we've been, you know, so desperate for. Right. So coming up, you know, coming up yeah. with us on Unrelegated. I've just had to drop out of the New York trip, sadly. But Jay, Kelly, Devin, Tana, they're all going. They're all going to the Red Bulls game, so that'll be an exciting one. I think yep. they're going to have some really cool stuff in May. If you are going too, you should add us, let us know. I'm sure they'd love to hang out, have some fan cams, all that jazz. So that'll be a good one. Wish I could be there. But life happens, you know, life happens. Jillian, yeah. where can they find you on social media? I'm at Jill or Jillian Gaffigan uh, on Twitter, Instagram, pretty much everything. So. So you need to like, subscribe, and share this episode if you're watching on the Atlanta United Fan TV YouTube channel. I'm not used to doing all this. This is Kelly's part. 
Uh, you can find us at Unreal ATL. That is U N R E L A T L on all forms of social media. Jay is at J underscore Riddle. Kelly's at all social media platforms. That's how she says it. All social media platforms at the Kelly Francis, and I'll be on Twitter at Jessica ATL UTD. Jillian, you are the most knowledgeable knowledgeable person I know. Thank you so much for joining me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. And thanks for having me. We'll be back on Queens of the South in two weeks' time. And Alex Morgan may be back with me. I'm hoping so. <laughs> because I want a selfie with the most incredible US women's national team player in the world. Love you, Kelly.